Good morning once again and welcome. My name is Craig. I'm the senior pastor here and it's certainly our privilege to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining us this Sunday morning as we gather together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in the book of Acts again. Um, as I've said many times now, we, we have been and will be in Acts now for quite some time. So uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 2, a couple of announcements just uh, for your information. We do have, our ladies have their women's conference this weekend. If that's something, uh, two requirements basically that you are a lady and that you are available, they would love to have you to participate. It's going to be a wonderful time as they uh, get together and study God's Word. So I would, uh, if you are interested in that, I know that uh, Miss Sherry Austin would love to talk to you about it and she's the easiest one to point out because she was sitting on the piano bench up here. So uh, ladies, if you have any other questions, call the church office. We'd love to help you get all the information you need. Uh, another thing that we are blessed to have our children running out our ears. As a result of that, we are uh, we, we need uh, we have some opportunities. That's a better way to say it. We have some opportunities in our children's ministry right now. So if you are interested in helping to serve in our children's ministry, uh, please see Miss Rhonda Adams. If you can't find her, see me, and I will. T- no, don't see me. Find Kevin or Adam or somebody other than me this morning. Find Buster. They'll write your name down or call the church office. But listen, hey. This is where we mess up a lot of times. A lot of you men looking around going, yeah, ladies, get it done. We need dudes to step up and serve with our children. We have a lot that do it. But here's what we need. A little boys that don't believe that following Jesus is a girl thing. We need young ladies who look up to men who love Jesus, who want to marry those, those, those men one day. So serving in our children's ministry is not a woman thing. It is a Christian thing. And I hope that you will take it. Uh, as such, we have some opportunities there, some Sunday, Sunday night opportunities coming up in a few months. We have some Wednesday night stuff, and we have Sunday morning stuff. Some of those are weekly things. Some of those are short-term things. Some of those are once-a-month things. But we have some of those needs that we'd love to have you get involved with. Finally, this morning, the last two weeks, I talked to you all about just how packed our second and third grade class was. And the last two weeks, people kept writing checks to the building fund. So we're going to roll the dice one more time. I walked into that second and third grade class again today, and it was an absolute nightmare. <laughs> One of our teenagers walked into my office this morning. They said, do you know that in six or eight years, if we continue where we're headed, we're going to have 100 people in our student ministry? Um, that's teenagers. We already have 118 and under. We're talking about 100 from sixth grade to 12th grade. Um, so... Um, that brings me to our church barbecue that's coming up in a few weeks. We're going to do something different this year. Our church barbecue money is actually going to go toward our building fund uh, because we recognize that right now at the place that we are in our church family, our building fund is a missions fund because as we create opportunity for bodies and for children and young people, we create opportunities for us to reach our community that is growing. Um, they're, they're, they're going to be building a lot of houses around us. In addition to all you that I don't know how many of y'all are here this morning. It seems like a million. Um, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I think, um, no, I am, I'm kidding. We are so glad, but uh, I would remind you about our churchwide barbecue, sell tickets, show up to help, and then remember how packed we are and write a check. We would love to have that. It'd be great. All right. Um, all kidding aside, well, I'm not kidding about that, but, but uh, you know, but the other part is uh, the Lord is really blessing our children and student ministries right now, and it's a lot of fun. If you're not aware of what's going on over there, it might be because you're not serving in one of those areas, and we can get you plugged in. Maybe you just need to ask, but I'm telling you, a lot of really, really awesome things are taking place in our church right now. We've got some really unique opportunities to reach the community around us. All right, 
Hopefully, I've talked long enough for y'all to have found Acts chapter 2. And listen, if you're new here, don't feel bad about turning to the table of contents to find it. A lot of people do that, okay? Um, So you feel comfortable with that. Acts chapter 2, we're going to read the first 13 verses. Please stand with me in honor of God's word. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, And visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that you would give us hearts that are open to the movement of the Holy Spirit. That you would make us a church that is open and welcoming to the movement of the Holy Spirit, that longs, Father the fresh wind and fire that only the Holy Spirit can bring, that you would move among us, help us to make an impact in the world around us, to be a light on this hill. In Jesus' name, amen. I do want to mention one other thing. We have a Next Steps class this afternoon at 4 o'clock. If you've been visiting with us for any period of time, a day, a week, a month, or even a year, we would love to have you. I'll meet with you right here in the sanctuary at 4, and then we will leave from here, and I'll take you to a, an undisclosed location. But we'll meet right here at 4 o'clock. This morning, I want us to think about what is the role of the Holy Spirit. What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Now, when we find ourselves in the book of Acts chapter 2, and we read about the day of Pentecost, sometimes we are a bit unfamiliar with the Old Testament, and we associate the day of Pentecost only with this New Testament experience. In other words, that the day of Pentecost is the day that the church was birthed and that the Holy Spirit came. The disciples were gathered in this place for the Feast of Pentecost, but y'all, the Feast of Pentecost existed prior to the New Testament, existed prior to this moment, prior to this experience. Pentecost is the Greek language way of referring to the Old Testament Feast of Weeks. Pentecost is from a Greek word that means 50th, okay? So Pentecost was the 50th day after Passover. Pentecost, or the Feast of Weeks, was prescribed in Leviticus chapter 23. So if you go to Leviticus chapter 23, what you're going to see in verse 15 and following is you're going to see prior to that, there's been commands from the Lord at Mount Sinai. The law was given, and there they're commanded to keep the Passover year after year after year. They're commanded that 49 days after the day after the Passover ends, or 50 days from the Passover, seven, seven weeks of seven days, then they are to observe the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of, <clears throat> of Pentecost as we know it 
I can't speak. The Feast of Weeks is what I tried to say. I said first fruits. The Feast of Weeks, okay, seven weeks. And then the Greek language is the Feast of Pentecost. Work with me. We're going to move this from an academic lesson in just a moment, I promise. Watch. Under Jewish tradition, it is believed that Moses received the law from God at Mount Sinai. So the Leviticus aspect on the day of Pentecost. In other words, God's Old Testament people, God's Old Covenant was constituted on the day of Pentecost at Mount Sinai as God gave His law and inscribed that law on tablets of stone. Hundreds of years later, Jesus' followers were gathered to celebrate the day of Pentecost, waiting for the Lord's promise as He had told them. It is fitting that this new covenant would be sealed with the giving of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. No longer was the law to be observed written on tablets of stone. Instead, the Holy Spirit inscribed the law on the hearts of men and women. Just as the tablets of stone were given as a law from God at the first Pentecost, the law was written on the hearts of Jesus' followers on the first Pentecost following his death, burial, and ascension. So when we think of the day of Pentecost, I want you to know that the disciples were gathered together to celebrate God's goodness and God's action. And it was in this place that the Holy Spirit showed up. But what did the Holy Spirit come to do? Folks, I want you to know that when we try to preach a sermon on the role of the Holy Spirit, we could preach a whole series of sermons on the role of the Holy Spirit. One of the things I'm not going to talk much about in this, this passage, or excuse me, in this sermon today, is the Holy Spirit, for instance, is a comforter. The Holy Spirit promises not only to bring comfort, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said the Holy Spirit was going to bring to remembrance all the things that He said. The Holy Spirit is God's agent to bring about the creation of the Word. So is the Holy Spirit speaking through God's people that created what we have as our Holy Bible. But this morning, we're going to look at four things that the Holy Spirit does, and these are going to be really big picture kind of ideas. Um, the first thing this morning is that the Holy Spirit makes an impact. The Holy Spirit makes an impact. I know that seems a little bit uh, broad, but work with me right here. When the Holy Spirit shows up, something happens. Something happens. Big things happen. When the day of Pentecost arrived, watch. Suddenly there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind, flaming tongues as a fire and speaking in other languages. I don't know about you, but if I'm hanging out in this room, and we got to remember, this isn't like they're seated around the kitchen table. There's 120 people in some large room. This is probably the upper room that Jesus had spoken of. They're all gathered in this large room. They're praying. They're worshiping. They're obeying the Lord. They're observing the day of Pentecost as they had been commanded to do. And in this place, all of a sudden, boom, there are flaming tongues of fire. There's the sound of rushing wind. There is the speaking in other tongues. Now, you know what's interesting is nobody ran around. Nobody fled. Nobody left. Why didn't the disciples leave? Y'all, this is freaking me out if I'm there. Remember, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. Isn't that something? That the Holy Spirit, even as all of these incredible things are taking place, He's still bringing comfort to the people who are there because that is who He is. It's important that we're not care. We need to be careful that we don't just think about the roles of the Holy Spirit. When we say that the Holy Spirit is a comforter, that's not just a role that He fulfills. That's who He is. It's in His character. 
right? I might fill the role of a lot of things, but who I am is different than a role that I would fill. I am a father of four children. I don't simply serve in that role. It's who I am. And so fathering those children is, is an overflow of who I am, of my character, of my absolute essence. When the Holy Spirit shows up, he comforts God's people because that's who he is. His presence brings a comfort there. Folks, we should not expect that a movement of the Holy Spirit in our midst would look exactly the same that it did. This is what gets people in trouble sometimes, okay? They're waiting for the Holy Spirit to move, and as they're praying for the Holy Spirit to come, they expect that there's going to be these incredible sign gifts that are going to happen. There's going to be a shaking. There's going to be wind. There's going to be tongues of fire. There's going to be strange speaking in various tongues. We don't know exactly what it looks like when the Holy Spirit shows up because the Holy Spirit works in different ways just about every single time. But here's what we know for sure. The Holy Spirit's going to make an impact. When you have, as a believer in Jesus Christ, when you have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you don't walk away the same. When you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you know it. Your life is changed. Everything is different. I was speaking with uh, another pastor about this this week. And he said, I remember when I was saved. And listen, believer, if you, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you received the Holy Spirit when you were saved. You received the Holy Spirit when you were saved. He said, I remember when I was saved. He said, there was a difference in my life. And one of the things that shifted in my life is I went from, hey, I don't care about this to boom. I can't wait to tell somebody all about what's happened. I knew something had taken place in my life. Y'all, one of the most important things that we need to recognize about the work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit makes an impact. The Holy Spirit leaves a crater there is peripheral damage. And it's not always bad damage, but y'all, nobody encounters the Holy Spirit of God and leaves unchanged. It makes an impact. I ran over a flower pot about a year and a half ago in my truck. It's a true story. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't care about all the details, but it dented my bumper. I haven't replaced my bumper. I have a dent in my bumper. It left an impact because I hit a flower pot. Well, the Holy Spirit's certainly on a flower pot, right? But y'all, when we encounter the Holy Spirit, there's a scar. There's a change. There's a shift. We know it. The Holy Spirit makes an impact. The second thing we see this morning is the Holy Spirit empowers the church. Work with me for just a minute. Because of of a, a lot of folks that have, that have been in the military and come out and some of the efforts there, a, a whole fitness community has sprung up around, around the practice of, of rucking, of walking with a, a weighted backpack, okay? Um, they, they do it, usually begin with real small weight and move up to something heavier and walk longer distances. Sometimes getting real unintelligent walking, you know, 100 pounds for four or five or six miles just because they want to. Um, now, the idea, and, and I actually do this some, I, I don't tote 100 pounds because I like myself better than that. Um, but the idea of carrying 50 or 60 or 100 pounds several miles can seem really daunting. Now, if you have that goal, let me tell you what you're not going to do. You're not going to leave here today and run by the hardware store and pick up two bags of fertilizer and throw them over your shoulder and just walk to Lugoff. That's not going to happen. You, you, you've got to have a, 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 an effort, a moment, a time of of preparation, you're going to have to prepare for that. But you know, if, if you do prepare and you do a little bit at a time and a little bit at a time, a little bit, of, next thing you know, you, you might be able to accomplish things that you didn't know were possible. 
I had a buddy that sent me a, a, a screenshot the other day, and he ran, he, ran over, he ran a mile with, I think, 50 or 60 pounds in, in like eight minutes. Y'all, I can't hardly run a mile in eight minutes without something on my back, okay? Um, so this is just somebody who's been working hard to get to a place, and that's what's been the result of that. Now, here's what's incredible. The Holy Spirit empowers the church. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon the believers like a mighty rushing wind. The wind gave them, excuse me, the Spirit rather, gave them this boldness and effectiveness in their witness. Jesus had given them this worldwide command and commission. And they were prepared immediately. See, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowered the church right then. Right then. They hadn't been studying to speak in foreign languages. It's just that when the Holy Spirit showed up, there it was. Why? Because God enables those whom he calls. God enables those whom he calls. Has God called you to fulfill a purpose in the world around you? Listen to me. If God has called you to do it, God has enabled you to do it. You don't need to worry about that. He's going to give you the strength that you need to get there. Will he occasionally put more on you than you can bear? Yes, this is important for us to remember. He will. Why? Because sometimes it's not until he puts more on us than we can bear that we actually look up and say, Lord God, I need you. Imagine the disciples, this group of followers of Jesus in their early time. God has, or excuse me, Jesus is dead, buried, and then resurrected and ascended. They have experienced a whole world of emotions all in just a short period of time. But just before he's ascended, he says, you're going to be my witnesses. And they go, wait, 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 wait hold on. Let's talk about this, Jesus. First off, we, we thought we were going to get to be in power. And now you tell us we're not going to have power. But as we think about what it looks like to be witnesses for you, we also remember this. We remember that when you were on earth and you started preaching, they killed you. The only reason we're in this boat right now is because of your message. Lord, we know what needs to be done, and you're telling us not only are we going to do it here, but we've got to keep going, and we've got to do it everywhere. Lord, how in the world are we going to pull that off? Y'all, because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the disciples didn't have to begin small and work their way toward a greater work for Christ. We're going to look next week and see that Peter carries an incredibly heavy load on his very first sermon. It's not just that in that sermon that the Lord brings about great blessing. Folks, in that sermon, Peter covers enough information for somebody else to preach a year on. And Peter does it all in one fell swoop. For all we know, this is really Peter's coming out party. This is his first public experience. I don't know how many of you have ever preached. I have. A lot. The first time I ever preached, I preached the same sermon three times in 12 minutes. It was amazing. I came across some old cassettes. Of, uh, we remodeled my office, and um, uh, so I had to clean everything out. And then I'm slowly moving everything back in and, and throwing. Angela tells me I need to throw things away. I, I, I don't know. Um, but I came across old cassettes of my sermons. Now, I don't have a cassette player readily available. We found one around somewhere, and it, it, it actually doesn't work right. I'm terrified to listen to them. I, these precede my time here. These are certain cassettes that came with me. I've got, I found one from 2000. Okay, because I'm so incredibly young, in the year 2000, I was just a baby. And I am, for those of you that think I'm old as dirt, 
I was only like 19, so y'all leave me alone. But I'm, I'm, those first sermons are painful to listen to. Some folks have suggested that, that, that a preacher has to preach 50 or more sermons before he really finds himself. Some have said 200. Here's what you need to know. It takes a, little, it takes a minute. Peter comes out of the gate and preaches the greatest sermon in the history of the church. How? Empowering the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave him what he needed to accomplish this purpose. Folks, the Holy Spirit empowers the church. We're talking about buildings. We're talking about this. We're talking about that. Y'all, when it's all said and done, unless the Holy Spirit builds this place, we got no hope. Unless the Holy Spirit goes ahead of us, we can't reach this community. But if the Holy Spirit moves among us, there is no limit to what may happen in any gathering of God's people. The Holy Spirit empowers the church. Third, this morning, the Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son. Notice in verse 11 what they spoke about. He says, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians were hearing them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now, side note here, how was this, this, this glossalia, that's the, the, the big word there, this, this miracle of tongues taking place. It says we were hearing them in our own tongues. This is an important thing. They weren't speaking, they were hearing. So they were speaking and the people around them were all hearing it in their own tongues. They were all being blessed to experience this. The Holy Spirit's working in this process of communication to make sure that the things that, that Peter or whomever is saying can be understood by everybody around. It's like, that. It's like they're at the UN and they all have those little, little earpieces and they're all listening to it in their own. But there's no earpiece. There's just the Holy Spirit that's accomplishing this great miracle of God. But what did they hear them saying? They heard them speaking about the mighty works of God. Y'all, the Holy Spirit, and this, I, I, there's a typo on your study guide. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son. Y'all, if you see people claiming to work in the power of the Holy Spirit, but they seem to be drawing glory and attention to themselves, be very wary. If the power or the work of the Holy Spirit seems to miraculously be making them incredibly wealthy, be very wary. If the work of the Holy Spirit seems to be blowing them up and making them look special or spectacular, be very wary because the Holy Spirit is always pointing the glory back to the Father and the Son over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit is like the moon just reflecting God's glory back for everybody to see. In John 16, Jesus said, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. What's He going to do? He will glorify Me. For why? He's going to take all this stuff and declare it to you we got to remember that when we consider the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, they are all the Godhead. They are all united. They are all the same, equal, with different roles to play. And as the Holy Spirit draws attention and glory back to the Father and the Son, He's glorifying Himself. But in so doing, what's He doing? He's building up the church. He's reflecting God's glory for all the people to see. One of the things I pray regularly is that the Holy Spirit would work in such a way that He alone would get the glory, that people wouldn't be able to explain it away. Listen, when you preach the way I preach, if anything good happens, you got to guess that everybody's going to give God the glory, right? 
We all kind of need to be those kind of folks. We sit around and we say, Lord, anything that would take place, God, I want you to do it in such a way that everybody would point the glory back to you. (coughs) Folks, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit works. He directs praise at the Father and the Son. Let's make this personal for just a minute. If you find yourself accumulating lots of praise for yourself, you need to ask the question as to whether or not the Holy Spirit is the one at work or whether or not this is a work of your own hands. Because folks, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart, the Holy Spirit's going to drive you to point the glory and the praise back to the Father and the Son. We're going to stop saying, look at me. We're going to start saying, look at what he's done. Look at what he's done. The Holy Spirit glorifies the Father and the Son. And fourth this morning, the Holy Spirit provokes a response. What kind of response? Not always a positive one. Keep reading. Verse 12, all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they are filled with new wine. Listen, let me break some news to you real quick. When God works, the whole world doesn't automatically heap glory and praise upon him. Even when God does great things, there are still some people who are going to roll their eyes, who are going to make fun of God's people. Y'all, we got to get past this idea that if we are doing God's work, then we're going to be loved, we're going to be popular, we're going to be welcomed. There's a good chance that we're going to do the Lord's work, and there's going to be some people that don't want anything to do with what we've got going on around us. Okay? That's all right. But here's what we can say for sure. When the Holy Spirit works, there will be a response. The Holy Spirit provokes a response. Now, the response that we hope for is that kind of softball response. What is it? What does this mean? Folks, wouldn't it be wonderful if every time we did something, somebody just looked at it and what does this mean? Why would you do this? And then, boom, what is it? Even I can hit that pitch, and I can't hit. But when they lay it in there that easy, y'all, we can do that. Why would you do this? Well, let me tell you about the Jesus that saved me. Let me tell you about the God that's at work among us. Got a phone call this week from uh, that one of our local schools was in need of some very, very small amount of supplies, just like soap and uh, sanitizing stuff, right? Um, and somebody called and said, hey, could, could y'all do anything about this? It's like, yeah. So I went and knocked on the door. I said, hey, I'm Craig. I'm from Malvern Hill. I understand y'all got some needs. We would love to help you. Um, and it was, y'all, it was, I was like, what, what, what do you need? And then what do you need? Why? I said, because we love this place. God loves us and we want to bless you. What do you need? We need deodorant. Okay, how much do you need? We will bring you deodorant. That's easy enough. It's not often that we get to deliver deodorant and tell people about Jesus, okay? <laughs> this will make you smell good. Jesus will make you smell better. Um, <laughs> man, we should have used that as like the, tried that. We need to get labels made, custom order deodorant. That's the funniest thing I've said in weeks. Um, <laughs> tells you a lot about how it is around my house. But y'all, we, we desire that. I, I want that. I, I shared the gospel with a fellow at the gym one day, and I said, is that something you like to do sometime? Would, would, are you interested? Would you, would you like to accept Jesus? He said, I, I think I would. I said, well, you know, you, you'll step out in the parking lot and pray. He said, I want to do it right now. I was like, oh, okay. We got this. Like, right, right, right where? Right here. 
on the bench press. Okay, this is a great place to pray. Let's not drop anything on her face. But listen, sometimes at the response that the Holy Spirit provokes isn't the softball for us. Sometimes at the response the Holy Spirit provokes in our lost and perverse world is a mockery. He said, they are filled with new wine. Look at them, they're drunk. Again, we got to put ourselves in the middle of this story. We read it in the King James. They are filled with new wine. No, they're worshiping the Lord. The Holy Spirit's moving. They're proclaiming the gospel. And people are standing on the sidelines and they're going, look at those stupid drunks. Watch. The work of the Holy Spirit will not be denied. But we can't expect that everybody's going to respond the way that we want. Watch. Our memory verse for this week is 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Watch. We're going to get to Peter next week. But Peter takes the questions and the accusations and turns them into opportunities for proclamation. Y'all, we tend to take the softballs and hit them a long way. Why are you here? Because God loves me and God loves you and I wanted to bless you. But what about when they say, you're just acting crazy? What about when they say, well, you're just this or you're just that or I don't believe any of those things about him. Or, you know what, I've seen the change in your life, but I, I don't believe any of it's true. Or what if they do come out and say, I think y'all are just a bunch of psychos, just a bunch of drunk, crazy people. How many of us look at that opportunity and go, hold on, let me use this accusation against me. Let me use this response against the Holy Spirit's work as an opportunity to proclaim the good news of Christ. Most of us are here, hey, you're drunk. And you go, we're not, man, I'm sorry. Peter says, we're not drunk as you would suppose. It turns out that now that we've got your attention, let me use this opportunity to tell you about the God who has made a difference in my life. Folks, we don't always see the response that we desire, but when the Holy Spirit moves often, we're given an opportunity to make a defense, to explain the work of the Holy Spirit. Folks, are you ready to explain the work of the Holy Spirit? Even when the response that you receive is not the positive response that you want? Are you ready? Watch with gentleness and respect. Peter didn't stand up and, you know, call out the she-bears to come and devour all the people who were cursing them. When they started making fun, Peter didn't organize a rally to get them all kicked out of town because they were mean. He didn't get on Facebook and go, these people hate Jesus. Peter proclaimed the gospel. Paul's going to later tell Timothy that he is to preach the gospel in season and out of season. At every opportunity, every single chance he gets. Folks, sometimes we are given great opportunities. Sometimes we kind of have to make our own opportunity. And when the Holy Spirit is at work, it will elicit a response from the world around you. 
Are you prepared to respond, to defend, to proclaim? Are you ready to speak boldly about what the Holy Spirit's done in your life? Are you? When somebody comes to you and they say, what's changed in your life? Are you ready to boldly declare that the Holy Spirit of God has changed you? Are you ready to declare that the gospel of Jesus Christ changed you? Oh, sometimes we, we kind of weasel our way out. Well, I started going to church. My, my wife really wanted me to do this. You know, I just, just, just for my kids. Let's not rob God of his glory. Remember when the Holy Spirit's at work, God gets the glory. We don't demur. We don't put it off. We just look around. They go, man, you sound kind of crazy. You go, maybe I do, but I'm just telling you, this is what's happened. There was a young man born blind that encountered Jesus one time, and Jesus healed him. I've heard the story. Religious leaders didn't like this idea that Jesus is doing all these great things. They go to this young man's parents. They say, hey, what's going on? They say, whoa, whoa, don't pull us in the middle of this. He's of age. You go speak to him. So they go and they say, hey, is, is, is this the man? He claims to be the Messiah. What do you think? He said, man, I don't know. I don't know what you say he is. I don't know a whole lot, but I know this. I was blind and now I see. Folks, are we willing to give the plain truths about the work of the Holy Spirit? I was blind and now I see. You might not appreciate everything that's happened in my life. You might not agree. You might not believe it. But I can tell you this. My world has been turned upside down and I'm better for it. In conclusion this morning, one thing we neglect to emphasize in the beginning here is this. They were all together. Some of you astute students of God's word will notice that I didn't even emphasize that. It's one of the most important parts in all this. The Bible says that they were all together in one place. Listen, the Holy Spirit works primarily in and through the church of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit works primarily in and through the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am with you also. The church was born right here in Acts chapter 2. Jesus told the disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait. Why were they to wait? Because Jesus was going to send them power. Jesus was going to birth something new. There was a new thing that was going to take place. The church was born in that moment. And the church was born full grown. The church was born full grown, fully developed, fully ready to proclaim the good news of Jesus. When the Holy Spirit came, the church was empowered to fulfill the mission of God, to love others, love Him, and change the world. The church was empowered to fulfill the Great Commission. The church was empowered to fulfill that Acts 1-8 commandment to go. To Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were empowered to do it. In the middle of their obedience, they were equipped for their mission. Many of you wrestled through that a little bit in life group this morning, didn't you? Lord, what are the next steps? Right in the middle of their obedience, suddenly, everything changed. We talked this in our life group this morning. 
Pretty much the only person that does anything suddenly in all the Bible is God. Right? Jesus is suddenly in a place. The Holy Spirit is suddenly in a place. Everybody else is sitting around waiting. Because God's called us to wait. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And in the middle of their waiting, in the middle of their obedience, suddenly the Holy Spirit shows up and boom, everything is different in that moment. In that moment. But what were they doing? How did they beckon the Holy Spirit? How did they get this feeling? How did they get this power? Right in the middle of their obedience. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit enables the church to fulfill her mission, to love God, love others, and change the world. The Holy Spirit does more than that. We don't have time to cover all of it because the Holy Spirit also convicts of sin and draws men and women to Christ. The Holy Spirit provokes a response. We tend to de-emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit because we've seen the concept of the Holy Spirit abused. We've seen men and women in churches build their financial wealth off the back of supposed movements of the Holy Spirit. We've seen that. But folks, just because others have abused this concept does not mean that we should neglect the Holy Spirit of God. See, I've talked mostly about the role of the Holy Spirit in the church, but what's the role of the Holy Spirit in your life? To empower you to fulfill God's mission. To convict you of sin. To bring to your mind and remembrance the teachings of Christ. To give you words even in those moments when you don't know what to say. The Bible even says that the Holy Spirit utters praise on our behalf with groanings, utterances. The Holy Spirit makes an impact and empowers the church, glorifies the Father and the Son and provokes a response. But this morning, my question for you is, does it provoke a response in your life? I think one of the dangers is this. In a sermon about the Holy Spirit, that it can become sort of an academic lecture. And we can miss the life-giving nature of the Holy Spirit of God. We need to be teaching about the Spirit so that we don't misunderstand the Spirit. But to some degree, folks, we need to be experiencing the Spirit more than anything else. My prayer for our church is, has been, and will continue to be, that the Holy Spirit would move among us in such a way that the world would have to stand up and notice. My prayer is and has been the Holy Spirit will move in such a way that people wouldn't be able to explain it away, that we wouldn't be able to explain it away, that God would receive all the praise and all the glory. Well, folks, if the Holy Spirit is going to move that way in our church, the Holy Spirit has to move that way in a lot of individual lives. So this morning, are you open to the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life? Are you open to God doing something different than you had planned? Are you open to God interrupting your obedience with a brand new story, with a brand new mission, a brand new goal? Are you open to the Lord calling you to do something that you haven't done before? Are you? 
I mean, are you really open? You know, we need to be careful what we commit to because what we're going to see is when the Holy Spirit got a hold of people, they left houses and lands and went to all sorts of places. They walked into certain death in obedience to Christ. They sold their possessions and gave them away. Folks, when the Holy Spirit takes control, the world is never the same. But neither are you. Some of you have been resisting the Spirit's movement in your life for a long time. Are you ready today to respond to the Lord? God, wherever you would send me, I will go. God, whatever you would have me, I will do. How many of you are ready and willing to write that blank check today? Oh, it's easy for us to say, Lord, move in our church. How many of you are willing to say, Lord, God, do in my life as you will? Move in my, my life as you will. He took Peter and transformed him from a fisherman to the greatest preacher in the world. He might take you from a person of power and prominence and turn you right into nothing but a fisherman for his glory. Are you willing to be what he's called you to be? To serve as he empowers you to serve? Are you willing to be a doorkeeper in his house if he gets the glory? Are you willing to be forgotten so that Christ may be famous? This morning as we sing, I want to invite you to come. Some of you may need to pray. Some of you may have been needing to pray for some time. Have your way with me, Lord. There may be some of you here today who acknowledge I've never given my life to Jesus. I'd love to pray with you about what it looks like to surrender your life to the Holy Spirit in salvation to Christ. Whatever it is the Lord's at work in your life, we're going to stand and we sing. And as we do, I invite you to come this morning to respond as the Lord directs you. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, I pray that you would lead us, guide us, direct us, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move powerfully among us. Lord, that you would take this sermon, God, and make it more than a lesson, but an experience, an encounter. God, give us pliable hearts that would surrender to this God of the universe. God, make us more like you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Sing with us this morning.